and welcome to the Whole Nine Sports Podcast. I am your host, Brandon Olson. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Uh, Dylan is not here, unfortunately, or like kind of unfortunately. I don't know. I'm fine with it um, because I am replacing him with a different Louisiana boy with The Verified, who you can find on Twitter at RealD underscore Jackson. How you doing, Verified? What's up, man? Uh, too bad for Dylan not being here. You know, I, I guess he had to work and make money. But who, who needs money these days? Uh, but, you know, happy to be here. Uh, just a, another Thursday night. Uh, and it's snowing here in Pennsylvania. So that is fun. I'm sure Dylan is experiencing a lot of snow in Louisiana. It, it snows a lot. Yeah, 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 Dylan's experiencing a lot of snow in the nice <laughs> seventy-five high today. Uh, so I'm I'm miserable while he's he's might not be happy at work, but he's at least can wear shorts. You know, I haven't worn shorts since like October. So. I saw people wearing shorts today. It was fifty by me. So, I mean, I'm fine. I, that sucks. <laughs> it's snow near you, Jesus. Oh man, that sounds so miserable. All right, um, just going to get right into it because, I mean, the reason I'm not waiting for Dylan to get out of work is because I have to leave at 5 a.m. to go to upstate New York for work. Uh, so times were not going to work out well for us. So the first bit of news is Odell Beckham Jr. and the police. Um, so for those that don't know, after the LSU after LSU beat Clemson to win the Natty, in the locker room, police were kind of giving some players a hard time about smoking cigars and possibly drinking. Um, and so o- Odell slapped a cop on the ass and then started saying, get the get at him repeatedly. Um, today it came out that there was an arrest warrant out for Odell Beckham Jr., with a simple battery charge. Um, how do you feel about this, Devin? I know you're an LSU fan, too, so... Well, first of all, I want to say the whole situation is a debacle. Um, from the post-game, Odell shaking hands with um, players and giving them money to just the entire situation in the locker room, why cops were giving the players a hard time. I have no clue. They just won a national championship, like, why do you have to be there and really be hard on these kids anyway? But the entire situation is debacle, and it's just another kind of chapter in Odell Beckham Jr.'s book of just places he goes, you know, drama ensues. Um, Honestly, this is is really stupid, in my opinion. I mean, the Honestly, it, he really had no malice intent. He was just trying to get them away from the players. Like, I, I don't understand why this is now a arrest warrant out for simple battery. I mean, it at this point, it's kind of pointless. I feel like if it was anybody else, they would have just let them go. But because it's Odell and because of his kind of reputation, you know, as his megastar that you know things kind of happen when he's in the room it's just something that's been blown out of proportion so the fact that we're sitting here today uh it was thursday night 
the championship was won Monday night. We're a whole three days after the championship, and now charges have been filed. I mean, this happened Monday night. Big deal. Like, the, they didn't hurt anybody. Like, the police officer wasn't hurt. Maybe his feelings were hurt, but the fact that this is news and that this came out today is just disappointing. Yeah, um, I, I stand in, like, a weird point on it. Uh, I don't think the cops should have been giving anybody a hard time for smoking cigars. And it's not just because they won the national championship, and I refuse to, like, I don't like using that as an excuse because then you're kind of feeding into the, oh, athletes can get away with things. They're athletes. So I don't like feeding into that one, but uh, I just think in general it's like, so what if they're smoking cigars? Like, they're not hurting anybody, which is where I stand on it normally. But at the same time, I recognize that it is illegal because they changed the tobacco age to 21. Um so I realize that it's, it, it is illegal. You're not supposed to be smoking in a stadium to begin with. So honestly, I put most of the blame for any of this even happening on the LSU staff because you should be aware of things like that. I get that you guys like got the reputation for being like rowdy and just being those crazy guys. But at the same time, it, there's a time and a place. And if you're going to break the law... Even if it's a very minor thing like this, I do think you have to be willing to accept that if you get that hard-ass cop, then there's going to be some kind of issue. Um, For Odell, I mean, I don't think that it should be, that he should be charged with anything, but it's another, like, devil's advocate thing. You're a superstar that has had, like, drama follows him, like you said. All eyes are always on Odell. Um, I don't think that it was smart for him to slap the police officer's ass and taunt him after. Um, just because for the fact you're a superstar. You're 27 years old, Odell. Like, like you shouldn't be doing things like this anymore. Um... I think it's a bad look for him. I think it's a bad look for everybody involved, honestly. I don't think anybody comes out of here looking good. I understand that it was like, oh, he was just trying to get the cop to stop bothering the kids. At the same time, though, you can't put your hands on a cop and not expect to have some kind of repercussion. I mean, we've seen a lot worse happen for literally someone not even doing anything. Just the cop just felt like causing problems. So to give a cop a reason to not like you and then say get the gat to him i think is uh i think it was stupid i think it was really just boneheaded by odell i i hate that this is even a thing because so many things lsu should have never let the underage people smoke uh they should have let anybody smoke in a stadium where you're not allowed to smoke um the cops, I don't think, should have given anybody a hard time for things. I understand it if you want to be a hard ass, but I disagree with that. Odell shouldn't have been instigating anything. I just think everybody here made a poor decision somewhere along the way, and it just looks... Honestly, everybody looks stupid coming out of it. I don't think there's a single winner here. Yeah, it's just an unfortunate situation at the end of the day. I mean... Now we're not even <laughs> we're not even talking about the national championship anymore. It's what happened after and just all the kind of drama that's ensued since then. So it's like 
you know, you, you kind of forget in the back of your mind that they even won. You know, now it's like, okay, cool, they won, but this, this, this happened after the game, and, you know, and everybody, yeah. er, everybody just looks bad at this point. Now you just, like, just want to forget about it and be like, all right, it's time to move on, but there's literally nothing left for college football. Yeah, uh, and, until, and... Until, you know, pro days and, well, at least the senior bowl's coming up, but that's not always as nationally recognized as, like, the combine or pro days, so... Yeah, it, these, it these all-star games don't get that attention that they should. Um, I don't know, and I do hate that it seems like most of the issues have stemmed... They have one common denominator, and it's Odell. And I've always been someone that... When Odell got traded and everybody was bashing Odell for his personality and his off-field antics, I stuck up for him. Um, I can't do it in this case, though, because video came out a couple hours ago of the LSU band trying to get, like, their little megaphone back. And security was, like, trying to get the megaphone back, and Odell was just, like, screaming into it. And he was giving security a hard time to take the megaphone. And then after the game, he starts handing, uh, I think it was Justin Jefferson, he starts handing him money. And then in the locker room, he slaps the cop's ass. I don't, I understand he was, he had to be intoxicated to make this many poor decisions. But as a celebrity that, you're 27 and these are a bunch of college kids that obviously look up to you. You're an LSU, I mean, I want to say he's an LSU legend. I would think of him as one. Um that these kids all look up to you and you behaving that way, it's just going to, it's not going to be a positive reaction from them. They're going to like you for it, but it's going to instill some negative uh, behavior from them too. And I don't know why, I mean, Odell really had nothing to do with this game, but of course now it's all about him. Yeah. I mean, I would surprise if in the future going forward, they kind of like really restrict his access to like, the locker room or just to like the facility or team, whatever in the future. Um, just because, I mean, you know, I mean, I want to say last time he went to LSU game, maybe last year, you know, he got the band to play neck or whatever, and that's fine. But, you know, just doing all these kind of acts now, it's like, how much can you really defend him? Like, I get that he was trying to stick it for the players in the locker room, et cetera, et cetera. But like, you know, handing them money when the NCAA, NCAA is obviously watching. Uh, I mean, when and the, now the, LSU might face some kind of penalty for that, and he'd be costing them. Yeah, so I mean, at, at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if they told him, "Look, man, uh, we appreciate everything you've done for LSU, et cetera, et cetera." But we, you know, when you're here next time, you're going to have to, you know, keep your distance. Uh, you come can, in as a fan, like you got to yeah. like that's that's what you'd have to do at that point. Yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised going forward. They just kind of like, look, man, we we just need you to to kind of be here as a fan. You you can't really be here in the locker room, et cetera, because you know, I mean, the whole situation now. So, I mean, he he's just really starting to hurt himself. His kind of his image. I mean, the Browns are coming off what a five and eleven season, I think, uh, or six and ten. Yeah, I think it was six and ten. So uh, just just put your head down, man, and just just get ready for next season. I mean, the, at this point, I mean, the the year already started and you're already making headlines. And football is, for you at least, is not as like four or five months away now. So just, just put your head down, man. 
Yeah, I don't get why. Like, and it sucks because, like I said, I've always been like an Odell supporter, but it's just like he's making so many poor decisions off the field now. And, and I'm one that I've admitted I don't like LSU, but I think he's an idiot for putting them in a rough situation now where they might face some kind of consequence. I don't know what it's going to be, um, especially since like he gave money to Justin Jefferson. Well, Justin Jefferson declared, but at the time he was still an LSU football player. So we'll see, but... uh. Moving away from Odell and moving still with LSU, but just moving to a a different state now is LSU's defensive coordinator, Dave Aranda, has left LSU to be the new head coach at Baylor, where Matt Rule has uh, just recently left. And I know that Dylan was kind of on the, oh, I don't think Dave Aranda's going anywhere uh, boat, but that that didn't prove to be true. Uh how do you feel about losing the defensive coordinator for LSU now? Well, I mean, this is just another coach that's gone now, you know. Uh, just lost, um, you know, often, uh, I wouldn't say offensive coordinator, but offensive uh, assistant. Passing game coordinator. <laughs> yeah, uh, Joe Brady. So, you know, losing Dave Aranda, it, it's going to suck because, I mean, the defense really started to come on strong towards the end of the season uh, after – there are many struggles, but Oof, when you start, <laughs> as as you can ask Alabama or Ohio State or some of those premier, uh, you know, programs, they start to lose coaches the better and better they get every season. I mean, you look at Alabama, I mean, they've lost a ton of coordinators. Every year. Every like year pre- they lose people. You know, <laughs> Mike, Mike Loxley. Uh, Kirby Smart, who's now a UGA, Jeremy Pruitt. I mean, the list goes on for the, the people that have left and uh, gone on to coach somewhere else from Alabama. Uh, that's kind of the more recent example. Clemson has gotten lucky. I'm surprised uh, Brent Venables isn't a coach somewhere else. They must be paying him, like, extreme top dollar because he, he should be gone by now. But when with success comes loss. I mean, they're losing talent to the NFL. Now they're losing coaches. So now we're really going to see what LSU can do going forward. Uh, I mean, it sucks, but it, when, once you start winning, you realize that you're going to lose coaches. You're going to lose players um, for better opportunities because you've put them on a platform to succeed at the highest level. Now you have to be prepared for them to leave and going about their business and like we've seen you can't believe what coaches say they always are looking for their best interests and you don't really blame them but at the same time you can't be surprised when stuff like this happens um so i'm happy for them uh baylor's getting a really good coach uh they're gonna have uh at least in my mind a defensive emphasis you know with this defensive background uh, should be interesting to see kind of how Baylor goes forward, but they had a pretty solid defense this season. Uh, uh, Aranda's going to only make it better, and uh, LSU is going to have to find maybe they promote within, maybe they look for you know kind of outer, outer outside coaches. We'll have to see, but I mean I, at the end of the day, I think LSU's still in a good spot. Um, you know, still have a, a top recruiting class, uh, still have Sting Esminger. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, the talent is going to be there for LSU. The defensive talent is always there, but now it's going to be about how much are they going to change the, um, kind of the philosophy. 
Yeah, that's honestly, I'm so excited for Baylor to get Dave Aranda because they were already one of the better, if not the best, defensive team in the conference. Uh, and then now having that defensive emphasis, I'm a little concerned to see what's going to happen with their offense. Uh, if they're going to bring in a new offensive coordinator or if they're going to keep Jeff Nixon there or Glenn Thomas since they were co-offensive coordinators. But uh, I don't know. I'm excited. I'm glad to see Dave Aranda move on because I know he was paid well at LSU, but it's always fun to see someone move forward in their career. Um, and then, so that, that's all we have for the news. Uh, I would like to remind everybody that this the next episode actually is going to be the first ever whole nine sports award show and uh my co-host for the evening right now is actually a nominee for the mailbag submitter of the year challenging alex katzen and trevor finnell just click the verified if you want him to win um we can't wait for it. We will be fil- we will be recording that. Not filming. We're not filming it. Believe me. Um, we'll be recording it down in Mobile this weekend or Monday. We'll figure it out. Um, but next up is the Pick'em, and like we did last week, we were going to go game by game, picking who we think is better at every position. Um, yeah, so first up, we have the Tennessee Titans at the Kansas City Chiefs. I'll be picking first in place of Dylan, and Devin will pick second for quarterbacks, and then Devin gets first running back dibs, as always. Um, I'll be picking Kansas City and Pat Mahomes. I'm assuming you're going to agree with me, Devin. Yeah, there, there's no way I'm picking Ryan Tannehill to be the better quarterback. He hasn't even passed for 100 yards in either of his playoff games, and He's just not the talent that Patrick Mahomes is. I mean, that was pretty pretty easy. <laughs> Running back is honestly pretty easy, too. I mean, uh, Derrick Henry, he's been a monster. Um, all season, all playoffs. Uh, Tennessee definitely has an edge to me, uh, and especially in running back. I know Kansas City kind of does running back by committee. Uh, Damian Williams, um, some of the other backs that they have, but Derrick Henry is far and away uh, – the the premier matchup here yeah derrick henry is not only the best player out of all these running backs but him by himself would be a better unit than damian williams lashawn mccoy and darwin thompson um so i'm agreeing with you going derrick henry and yeah not to mention that they also have Deion lewis so he is not a he's not a slouch by any means um and then wide receiver tight end also an easy one i'm going kansas city uh, I would go with Kansas City as well. I don't think the the gap is as crazy as the first two because uh, Tennessee does have uh, some really good receiving options. Uh, you got A.J. Brown. Uh, he's really emerged this season as a top target and some of those other receivers. Uh, tight end is, is far and away definitely um, Kelsey, you know. He, is, he was a monster, 10 receptions, 164 yards, and – three touchdowns uh, against um, Houston last week and in, in their big comeback win. Um, I think it, it will be hard to pick against him uh, and hard to pick against these Kansas City receivers that are so explosive. Yeah, for me, it's it's like when I look at it, out of the top three 
players from receiver and tight end. Two of them are on the Chiefs, and it's the top two. Uh, and then you have A.J. Brown would be the third one to me. But, uh, yeah, it, it's easily, at least for me, Kansas City here. Um, who would you go for the offensive line? I, I would give the edge to Tennessee. I think they just run blocking-wise and really pass blocking as well. Um, they, I hardly see Tannehill under duress. Uh, you hardly see Derrick Henry get tackled for loss. Um, it seems like at times that Patrick Mahomes is running for his life or he's scrambling, having to make plays outside of the pocket. Uh, the interior of Kansas City offensive line really has some issues uh, that Tennessee may be able to exploit uh, in, in this matchup, something that we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, so I would go as overall Tennessee is definitely the, the better uh, offensive line top to bottom. Uh, yeah, I'm going to agree with you because, like you mentioned, Pat Mahomes runs for his life sometimes, especially with the running threat and how good Tennessee's offensive line is at run blocking. Their play-action game really gets going, and the pass rush never really gets back there. Um, and yeah, I, would, I think the best player on either offensive line would be Mitchell Schwartz for the Chiefs, but the rest of the unit's kind of lacking. Um, moving on to the defensive line and edge units. This one is rough for the reason that if Chris Jones doesn't play, I think Tennessee has the better unit, but I'm going to operate under the assumption that Chris Jones is playing, so I'm going to take Kansas City here. I'm going to go Kansas City as well. Uh, I think Chris Jones definitely puts them over the top. Um, And, you know, there were reports that he was being saved for a potential – you know, AFC Championship game um, against Houston. And early, it looked like, you know, that was a mistake, especially with how Houston was shredding Kansas City early on. Um, but they able, they were able to get by without him. Um, I don't – his presence will be missed, I would say, if he doesn't play. I'm not going to say they won't be able to get by Tennessee, but uh, his presence and the added um, pass rush that – he can provide, especially if they're able to shut down Derrick Henry on first and second down and force Tannehill to beat them with his arm on third down. His presence could definitely be used on those long third downs. Yeah, that's a big if, too. If they can stop Derrick Henry, Chris Jones would be crucial to... Uh, I, almost, I almost just F-bombed it for no reason. Uh, he would be crucial to really disrupting their passing game. Um, who are you going for linebacker? Uh, I think I'm going to go with Tennessee. Um, I think they they have a little bit better unit uh, top to bottom as well. Um, I, I just like their, their linebacking core. I like how they fly to the football, uh, especially they were really important last week um, against a really top-notch running game in Baltimore. And the fact that they were able to really shut down that running game um, and, you know, stymie the, the running game of Baltimore. I think that was really impressive, and it really started with their, their linebacking crew. Um, so I, I got them with the edge. Uh, Kansas City's linebackers are usually hit or miss. Uh, we really don't hear much about them, honestly, uh, throughout the game. Um, I just, just think Tennessee's uh, group is, is much better. Yeah, I I don't think this one's close at all. This is probably the easiest defensive one for me. Um, 
I love Tennessee's linebacking group. I've mentioned that in previous uh, episodes that Rashawn Evans is one of my favorites. Um, loved him coming out. Love him still. Jayon Brown, when he's healthy, is great. And yeah, I just I have a lot of faith in the Tennessee linebackers. And then moving to the defensive back groups, I know that Kansas City, they're not as weak as they used to be in the secondary, but I'm still going Tennessee because I do think that Tennessee has a great secondary. Um, Adoree Jackson, Logan Ryan, and Kevin Bayard are three just studs there. Uh, I know Logan Ryan plays more of a slot role, but I mean, with how often teams go nickel and his willingness to just bang really helped against the Ravens. Uh, and I think that I think he'll be able to make some plays this week against the Chiefs. Yeah, I would agree as well. Um, I, I got a Tennessee's defensive back group. Um, really outside um, for Kansas City, it's just really not consistent. You know, you got Tyron Matthew, and he makes up for a lot of their deficiencies because they're they're still obviously missing pieces in the secondary. Um, I mean, look he, at the he, first quarter of the Texans game. Their secondary got shredded, and that's why they went down to begin with. Yeah, I mean, it, you you like Kendall Fuller, but we we know that you know he can he's susceptible to give up big plays. Uh, I mean, honestly. You look at it, Tyron Matthew, he really does save them a lot in the back end. Um, that's exactly why they brought him in. They they have issues in the back end. And it worries me, you know, the emergence of A.J. Brown is going to really be prevalent, uh, it's, I think, especially in this week, because um, I, I think they're going to exploit the passing game. I mean, obviously they're going to be prepared to stop the run, but Corey Davis, A.J. Brown on the outside, uh, even John New Smith to, to a certain degree, I think they can exploit the Kansas City secondary for Tennessee. I mean, they're just better overall. They they can really cover when it comes down to it. You don't have to – they'll give us some big plays, but they're not susceptible to busting coverages and everything like that. So I'll give Tennessee the edge in, in the defensive back unit. Yeah, like you mentioned Jonu Smith, he could have a huge game if the Chiefs don't put Tyron Matthew on him, uh, which I don't think they'll do, but he could really erupt against this weak linebacker core. And then for a head coach, where are you going? Uh, I'm going to go with Andy Reid. I think it's just his time to finally win something, finally get back to the Super Bowl where he hadn't been in, uh, I want to say, what, 15 years now? Feels um, like a hundred. I think it's his. Oh. I think it's. I think it's definitely his time to get back there, and uh, they have the team to do it. New England isn't standing in their way. Um, I, I just think Vrabel is. He's done a phenomenal job, uh, especially this season, turning the season season around, really coming up with a game plan to to stop um, some of you know two of the best teams. You know, I mean, to a certain degree, New England wasn't as top as they have been in the years past, but stopping a Hall of Fame quarterback and then stopping a, an elite running game in the MVP the next week, I mean, that, that can't be overstated. Um, but I, I got Reed in this one. And we finally have a disagreement because I'm taking the Titans here with Mike Drabel. Uh I just think he's done such a good job, especially this postseason, but ever since he made the decision to sit Mariota for Tannehill, they've had such a good game plan 
they've been able to beat just about anybody. They've been one of the best teams in the league since he made that decision. And it was a tough call, too, because you're going into your last year with Mariota where it's like, okay, like this is this is the make or break. And you chose to sit him, essentially saying, yeah, he broke. Um, and then being able to shut down the Ravens, which I'll give a lot of credit to Titans defensive coordinator Dean Pease for that. Um, but the way that he, he made Belichick throw a fit on the sideline by using Belichick's method of getting the false starts and the delay of games. And Vrabel is coaching out of his mind right now. And that's why I'm going to take him. Uh, I think Andy Reid, of course, has a better reputation, more productive career. But right now, I'm going to give the edge to Mike Vrabel. Um, and then we're, we're going to stick with the X factors here. So for the Titans, the first X factor, I am actually going to put Kevin Bayard as my X factor. Uh, I know that we always or Dylan and I always make fun of Alex Katzen for picking just some of the best players but Bayard has a lot on his plate this week because I'm sure he's going to get matched up with Travis Kelsey at times I'm sure he's going to have to defend a deep ball to Tyreek Hill or Nicole Hardman at some point and he's going to be expected to come up and make some plays in the run game he's got a lot of pressure on him this week and he's gonna have to step up if they want to walk away with a victory. I'm going to go with uh, Janu Smith. Um, I think that Kansas City will kind kind of, you know, obviously stack the box for Derrick Henry. And especially on the outside, they're going to make sure that A.J. Brown is well covered. Um, So I think they'll leave Janu Smith opportunities, especially in the middle of the field. I do see at some point they'll have to put Tyron Matthew on him. I don't think they'll start off the game with him because they're going to use Tyron Matthew and run support. Um, so I think that's going to leave Johnu Smith with some one-on-one opportunities down the field. And as we saw last week against Baltimore, uh, teams will, they, Titan, the Titans were able to exploit that matchup. So I think that uh, he will be able to um, really make an impact, especially in a passing game and uh just be kind of that, you know, the, the one of the design factors for the game because I don't, I don't think Kansas City will have an answer for him if the Titans kind of utilize him like they have been the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I fully agree with that. Like I said, I think he could have a big game. Um, for Kansas City's X Factor, I'm actually going to go with Austin Ryder, their center. I feel like Tennessee is going to throw a lot of wild looks his way, and I know Mahomes has to make checks. Your center also has to make checks. He's going to be lined up with, at times, Jarrell Casey. Um, At times, he's going to have to block Jeffrey Simmons. I'm sure that they're going to send Rashawn Evans in on blitzes. He's going to have a lot of responsibility this week in making sure that this offense can run successfully, so he's my X Factor for the week. Uh, for Kansas City, uh, I think I'm going to go uh, with defensive coordinator Steve Spagnola. <laughs> All right. Uh, All right. That's a new one. We don't get coaches. I think his game plan is going to be crucial in how they attack the Titans because you can't obviously just sell out on the run. 
you also have to be prepared for uh, the Titans' play-action pass and really for them to take shots early in the game because we know that the deep ball is going to come at some point. And I think they may even try to start the game off, take the, the uh, crowd out of the game early, try to really hit Kansas City in the mouth early. And obviously Kansas City is going to be prepared for the run. And the Titans may throw pass at them. Uh, they might go pass heavy in the first couple drives just to loosen up the defense because we I feel like they're just going to stack the box. So I think his game plan is going to be crucial. Uh, you know, and, and taking chances, I think they're going to have to take chances in this game because – you send out all our blitz, they might throw a screen at you. You know, you you might throw a quick slant, and AJ Brown has the you know ability to take it to to the house. So his game plan is going to be crucial to whether or not they can uh, do something. Because we saw in the postseason last year, they couldn't get stops when they absolutely needed to, uh, especially against the Patriots, and we saw kind of how that ended up. So I think his, his game plan is, is going to be crucial whether or not this defense can get stops and get the ball back to Patrick Mahomes yeah I love the UN defensive coordinator I don't think we've ever seen that um so I love that so much because I never even thought about it um the spread is Kansas City minus seven Dylan texted me his picks for the spread even though he couldn't be here uh he's going Tennessee I am going Tennessee because I don't think they will win the game I wouldn't be totally surprised if they do because I think Kansas City's weaknesses on defense is where tight is where Tennessee is strongest on offense. Um, so I don't I don't think they'll win the game. They could, but I don't think Kansas City will be able to beat them by more than seven. Uh, where are you going? Uh, I'm gonna pick Tennessee as well. I don't think KC will cover the spread, and I think the only reason if they do cover the spread, I think it will be because a bunch of turnovers happened. And, um, you know, Tennessee just wasn't able to get a rhythm on offense. But I don't envision that happening. I I imagine that Tennessee will probably end up with probably like 35 minutes of time of possession, just because they're gonna they're content or they're content with running the football and bleeding time off the clock and taking their time of offense. So uh, I expect Tennessee to not covering this one well can see to not uh covering the the minus seven spread all right and then moving on we have the nfc championship game uh green bay packers at san francisco the spread is minus 7.5 i am going to go green bay for quarterback uh because although he's had a down year i still think i'm comfortable saying that aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback than jimmy garoppolo yeah, this is this is um, this is kind of difficult. I mean, like you said, Aaron Rodgers had a difficult, well, not a difficult season, but kind of a down season, at least compared to his standards. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo has been up and down this season. Uh, there's been times he's looked really great and looks like the cornerstone franchise quarterback we thought he might be, and then there's times where he's being carried by the defensive run game. Um, so I would say Green Bay. I just haven't seen enough from Garoppolo. Uh, I give the edge to Aaron Rodgers. I, I just haven't seen enough from Garoppolo, especially in playoff time, to consistently deliver, you know, lead comebacks. We've seen kind of Aaron Rodgers do it all. Um, you know, it's kind of, you know, relying on reputation and everything like that. But at the same time, um, Garoppolo, 
hasn't done something that just made you like, wow, this, you know, this guy is, you know, top five or whatever you want to want to say. So I, I give the edge to Green Bay. And where are you headed with running back? Uh, I'm gonna go with. This is actually kind of tough because both of the teams' running backs are extremely productive. Uh, I'm gonna give the edge to San Francisco. Uh, I like Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida just a little bit more than Aaron Jones uh, and Jamal Williams and some of the other guys on Green Bay. Um, San Francisco has been, you know, pretty good this season running the football. I also think that attributes to their offensive line. Uh, their offensive line is phenomenal. Uh, the zone scheming is great. Uh, Kyle Shanahan's play calls are great. So, I still get it as to in terms of running back to San Francisco. I like they were disagreeing this early. Uh, I am going Green Bay. I think Aaron Jones. I mean, I know he's had a phenomenal season this year. 19 total touchdowns. Uh, Jamal Williams, when he's healthy, has produced perfectly fine. Even though now Roger, even though now Aaron Jones has gotten the vast majority of the touches. Uh, San Francisco, they have their running backs that always produce. I just think Aaron Jones is really an all-pro caliber player, and that's why I, I would feel comfortable saying that I think Green Bay has the edge at running back. Um, receiver tight end? I'm going to go San Francisco, but I think this one is really close because both of these teams have one guy that I would take over a ton of other people at their positions, uh, the 49ers have Kittle, who I would take over anybody at tight end, at, including Kelsey. I uh, just want to put my stance on there. And then the Packers have Devontae Adams, who I would take over a lot of other number one wide receivers. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the Packers when they have Geronimo Allison, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, uh, Jake Kumaro, Alan Lazard. I'm not a huge fan of them. I know that the 49ers have struggled with drops this year, but... Debo Samuel seems to be coming more into his own. Um, Emmanuel Sanders was a huge trade. And Dante Pettis, I know, barely gets touches anymore, which upsets me. But I think San Fran has the edge here. But it's a very slim edge. This is probably going to be the closest one for me all game. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with San Francisco as well. I really don't like Green Bay supporting cast. Uh, and honestly... I just want to see a team force Green Bay to throw it to those other three guys, or other three or four guys. Uh, Jimmy Graham, it, he's really hit or miss, in my opinion. Uh, he either he, he can make plays down the field, but it, you just don't see much of him after the catch. Um, and like I said, Geronimo Allison, uh, Jake Kumaro, some of those other guys, it, you start to compare, like, kind of talent, to talent i mean on paper san francisco by and far has a better talent overall uh plus you add the george kittle factor as well uh you you add emmanuel sanders who's been a phenomenal acquisition for san francisco since the trade trade deadline um and devo samuel he he's a, a do-it-all type of guy he can you know get the ball in space make things happen he can run take the ball out of the backfield make things happen uh i just think the combination of that and the fact that um, San Francisco just has better talent. George Kittle is definitely a top tight end in the country. 
uh, or in the NFL, I should say. Um, I do the it, same it's just thing. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just it's just hard to pick against San Francisco supporting cast. And then where are you headed for O line? Headed like uh, you're going anywhere? <laughs> uh, absolutely, San Francisco. Uh, there, there's no question in my mind. Uh, they, the, the protection that Jimmy Garoppolo has when he's going back to pass the ball, um, the run game, how they open up holes for all types of running lanes for all types of positions. Um, I think that it, they just do such a phenomenal job, uh, you know, play, coupled with Mike Shanahan's uh, – Kyle Shanahan's, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle Shanahan's uh, play calling. Uh, I, I just – it'll be hard to pick against them. It may be hard to pick against them, but I am. Um, <laughs> last week I told Dylan, and I'm saying about it that – I think the Packers have one of the best offensive line units in the NFL. I understand that so do the 49ers. But I don't think the 49ers have any player that's arguably the best at his position on the offensive line. And I think you can make that case with David Bakhtiari. Um, Brian Bulag has been stellar. He's had a great career. Jesus Christ, he's had a great career. Uh, Elton Jenkins, fantastic rookie. I think Green Bay gets it, but it's very close for me. I just think that having that top talent of Bakhtiari, it really sets it apart for me. Um, defensive line edge, I'm so easily going San Francisco. <laughs> um, it's not close. I know last week I mentioned that I loved Green Bay's defensive line and their edge group, which I still do. That has not changed, but, I mean, San Fran. It's just amazing what they've done. Yeah, it's, it's really not close. I mean, Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, damn it! <laughs> I just can't get can't get these names damn, right. Joey Nick, Bosa and Mike Shanahan here now. <laughs> I feel like Stephen A. Smith. Um, <laughs> Nick Bosa, he's been a monster in his rookie year. Uh, the whole defensive line, it's just been absolutely dominant. We saw what happened the last two, the last time these two teams met. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was in living hell. Literally, he couldn't do anything. Um, we'll see if Green Bay has answers for that. Hopefully, they move the pocket a little bit. They uh, are able to run the ball at some point in this game because if you just drop back to pass against this offense, uh, this defensive line, it's going to be a long day. Um, so I, I, I'm definitely going to go with. Um, San Francisco as well in in terms of D line. Yeah, I when you were talking about all the pressure that they got last time they met, I'm really expecting Mike Lafleur to bring out. Fuck, Matt Lafleur. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I wrote an article the other day talking about Mike Lafleur, so now he's in my head. But uh, Matt Lafleur, I'm really expecting him to come out with some creative runs, some screens. I would not be surprised. If after the game we saw some all twenty two come out, and it was like, oh, the forty ers used this play like last week or whatever, just to protect their, just to protect themselves, I would not be surprised to see Matt Lafleur pull a copy hat on Kyle Shanahan. Um, where are you headed for linebacker? Uh linebacker, I would have to say the forty ers as well. Um, Linebacker play for Green Bay, it's okay. You know, I like Blake Martinez, uh, B.J. Goodson. He's pretty good. Uh, you know, the outside linebackers, Preston Smith, 
slash edge, you know, Zadarius Smith, you can say more defensive line. Um, but, you know, Quan uh, Alexander for the 49ers, he has been pretty good. Fred Warner as well. Um, I think they're just a little bit better than Green Bay's. Yeah, I'm going San Fran also. I am not a big fan of Blake Martinez. I said this last week. Uh, BJ Goodson is the starting linebacker for the Packers. And <laughs> um, as a Giants fan, I've seen him make a ton of tackles. None of them were like run stops close to the line of scrimmage. Uh, so that, that worries me. But especially against this San Francisco offense, um, I would not be surprised to see them try to run at him kind of. Um, but yeah, no, I'm going San Fran pretty easily. And then defensive backs, this one, I'm also going San Fran, but I mean, Green Bay still has a very good secondary, I'd say. They're very young and they have a ton of potential. Jair Alexander is already one of the best corners in the league, but San Francisco has someone who's arguably the best corner in the league already in Richard Sherman. Fantastic year. Um, Akilo Witherspoon, I don't know if he's going to be starting at corner this week. I know he got benched last week. But this is supposed to be the weakness of the 49ers defense, and it's so well covered up by this insane pass rush. And I think that they're not, I think that the secondary doesn't get enough credit because of how good the pass rush is, but I'm going with San Francisco's secondary here. I'm going to go with San Francisco as well. Um... I think collectively as a unit, they they just kind of fit, you know. Uh, Green Bay, you know, they they have some. I mean, like you, you're saying, Jair Alexander is, is pretty good. Kevin King, he's all right, you know. Uh, Adrian Amos, I don't think he has turned out the way that Green Bay thought he might. Coming no, from he, Chicago, he's, he's not going to be what he was with the Bears' insane defense. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's a little bit, you know, of a disappointment, especially for uh, Green Bay fans. But uh, I think just in general, plus the help that they get, I think San Francisco has to have the edge. Uh, Richard Sherman showed last week that he's still one of the premier corners in the league, uh, and he'll let you know about it, especially in, in post-game presses. He'll let you know that he, he's still a premier uh, corner in this league. Um, so I, I just like – just collectively as a unit, San Francisco's defense is really hard to pick against any one position. And um, uh, it looks like they, they pretty much take the cake on every position defensively anyway. But Green Bay does have good players, but San Francisco's defense is just that much more elite. Yeah, that, that defense is just, oh, man, they're so good. Um, head coach, who are you taking? Ugh. It's both young coaches, both emerging coaches. Uh, I'm going to go Kyle Shanahan. Um, Matt, Matt LaFleur has done a really good job. I think people don't give him enough credit for how good a job that the Packers are this season. Uh, a lot of people are saying that the Packers are a pretty weak 13-3 and team, but here they are in the NFC Championship game. So, I mean, that doesn't happen by accident. So, uh, I would say uh, I give the, the edge to Kyle Shanahan. Uh, I think just his play innovations, uh, just the way he manages this team, uh, the fact that they always find ways to reinvent themselves, 
Um, I, it's been a few times this season where you've just seen them completely out of whack. Um, and he, he just keeps a calm, cool, collected mind and just leads a, a really talented football team. Yeah, I said last week that uh, that I thought Matt LaFleur was honestly a better head coach this year than Pete Carroll was. Uh, I'm not going to say he's been better than Kyle Shanahan has. Shanahan, he's... I can kind of see the parallels with the creative play calling and getting your guys in space and really moving your game plan to fit your guys, but I think Kyle Shanahan's done such a stellar job this year that he's got to take it for me. And then moving to the X-Factors, I'm taking the tackles for Green Bay. Um, Their offensive tackles have such a huge task this week going against this 49ers pass rush, and if they don't succeed, this team will not succeed. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, the edge players for the Packers, uh, Preston Smith, um, as well as Darius Smith. I think they have to bring pressure. They have to create pressure, uh, make Garoppolo's life uh, difficult, especially in, in obvious passing downs. Uh, they really had to, to really wreck their game plan, uh, both in the run game and pass game. I think it will be important that they get something going. I think Green Bay's offense will do much, much better than the performance they had uh, in week 12. But I think the defense is really going to be the difference here. If they can get pressure early, uh, get a couple sacks, and make life difficult for Jimmy Garoppolo and make him uncomfortable. I think the defense really has a chance to get some turnovers and, uh, you know, get the ball to Aaron Rodgers and, and let him kind of work offensively in uh, a good position. So I, I think though those two guys will be very important for the Green, Green Bay defensive game plan. And where are you going, San Fran? Uh, San Fran? Yeah. So many, so many guys you could pick. This like, I can stand out. Um, yeah, offensively they just use everybody, so it's like it's hard to pick one. And then you got to look at the defense, and it's like, oh well, they're all great. So, uh, I'm gonna go with Debo Samuel. Uh, I think he's gonna need to make some kind of different plays, like not the traditional go routes or you know taking slants to the house. I think they're going to have to use him kind of in some screen action um, and use him kind of all over the place that they, they tend to do. I think that no one one person no one person can guard him one-on-one on Green Bay's defense. Uh, I think you put you take away Jair Alexander and put him on him. That leaves Emmanuel Sanders open. George Kittle is going to be an issue. Um, you could have easily picked him for X Factor because Green Bay literally has no one to cover him. But uh, I think Debo Samuel is going to play a huge role in just creating havoc for Green Bay's defense because they're going to take one of their best guys and dedicate it to him, and that takes away some of the other weapons. Yeah, I'm still having difficulty figuring out who I'm going to pick. I'm I I want to go with my gut. I'm just gonna I'm gonna do it. Screw it. Um, I'm going with Richard Sherman because I think that he's going to have a lot of time with uh Devontae Adams this week and like you spoke about earlier um San Fran should try to force the ball to Green Bay's other playmakers outside of Devontae 
And I think that's what they're going to do. And I think they're going to use Richard Sherman to do that. I know he's typically not the guy that shadows. So I'm not expecting him to really do that. But I think that when Adams lines up on him, that he might he might play some more man than we're used to seeing from him. And, I mean, we saw him get a pick in man last week. So it wouldn't be surprising. But I think we might see him play some more man. Um, where are you going with the spread? We have San Fran minus seven and a half. Seven and a half is just Dylan so much. Green Bay. Seven and a half is just so much to give. Um, you know, I'm gonna take San Francisco. Uh, I don't know, man. There's something about Green Bay playing this team again. I feel like it's gonna be a close game for a while, but just talent, the talent, and kind of how stout. San Francisco's defense is eventually going to take over, uh, force Aaron Rodgers to do more than he has to, force a turnover, and uh, I, I just think they they might win probably by like ten. Uh, I don't I don't see it being a field goal type of game. Uh, I'm taking San Francisco. Uh, I'm going to go with the Packers because I feel like it's possible. I'm not saying it's likely, but I think it's possible that. The last time they played, they weren't really showing their whole hand for how they think they could attack San Fran's defense and offense. Uh, I do think it's possible that they were kind of being more conservative than you'd expect. And I think they might come out with a different approach. And it it could obviously have a different outcome. Uh, I'm going Green Bay here. I've been a believer in them. I think that you mentioned it earlier that Matt LaFleur has not gotten enough respect or credit for that everybody's calling this Green Bay Packers team. They're always saying, oh, they're an average team. They're the worst 13-3 and team I've ever seen. They're 13-3, and and you keep insulting their talent. Do you know how good the coaching has to be at that point? Take away the Lions games even where it's like, oh, they didn't lead a single second, but they won both of those games. Take away the Lions games. I don't care. They're still a great team without the ref's help. Like Everybody's calling this an average team. Even if you give them those two Lion losses, they're still 11-5. and five. And for an average team, that's pretty damn good. Uh, I mean, great, team, great teams find a way to win regardless of, you know, how long they've led in a game or anything like that. Every team has games during the season where they had no business of winning. And they did, you know. Exactly. So, the Chiefs had no business winning that game even last week. They were down twenty-four nothing. You don't deserve to win a game at that point, but they did it. At uh, they dropped fifty-one. Um, when you down twenty-four, I mean, I mean uh, when you look at Houston, that's a complete different story. You got to <laughs> wonder about them, but yeah, I mean the notion that you know. Even if you don't lead the entire game, you still won't find a way to win. To me, that's commendable. I mean, there are times. I mean, there are games where teams just give up and say, "All right, uh, we're just gonna pack this one in." You know, the especially the last Lions and Packers game. I mean, the Packers were. I think they were down seventeen zero. I mean, they could have been like. Rodgers played just, horrible. <laughs> they they could have been like you know what this just isn't our isn't our day you know so I mean you you got to give team great teams credit regardless I mean teams don't win thirteen games by accident uh, exactly I mean, we we've seen fourteen and two teams 
choke in the playoffs. I mean, it happens, but at the same time, you can't fault a team, you know, whether they look good or not the entire season. I mean, a win is a win at the end of the day. You can't really complain about dominant wins or whatever. Uh, I mean, you look at the Saints, they went 13-3, and uh, even though this pains me to talk about. Uh, but in the playoffs, they played their worst game of the season, and they're gone. I mean, it, it's all about, you know, not only playing well, but playing some of your best football. And the Packers, down the stretch of the games, they played their be- best football of the season, and you see where they are now. Yeah, I think it's such a testament to the coaching that, Aaron Rodgers had the worst year of his career, arguably the worst year of his career since he became a starter, and one of the best records of his career, and he got the number two seed and a bye, and now he's playing the NFC Championship. You don't make it to the NFC Championship by being a fluke. The Titans, they had a rough start to the year. They won a lot of games at the end, and then they made it this far. They were a good team. They just got off to a rough start. It's a testament to coaching to be able to recover and bounce back. Um... I, I'm going to go on a rant about this every week with the Packers. <laughs> um, so we're done with the pick and now we just have the one mailbag question. Justin Rochette, are we on the Mackay Becton train? People think he's a first-rounder, but he's day two for Justin. How do you feel about him? Uh, I feel the same as Justin. I, I like him, but I don't think he's in the same class as some of these other offensive tackles that have been talked about and are expected to go, uh, you know, tops in the draft, uh, you know, the Tristan Wirfs of the world, some of those other guys. I don't really see him as that level. Um, he has good tape. Uh, I, I like him as a player, but I, it, he just doesn't seem like a first rounder to me, in my opinion. I just don't see it in him. Uh, he, he's a day two guy to me. I think Depending on what team picks him up, they'll get good value for him, but I don't see him as a first-rounder at this point. Yeah, I agree with both you and Justin. I have a late second round on him, so he's still early, mid-day two, I guess you'd call it, but he's definitely not a first-rounder for me. Uh, I don't totally get all the love for him. I, I understand he's a good player. I don't really get the first-round hype. Um, Yeah, I mean, maybe I'll be proven wrong. Who knows? But that is our episode. Uh, Thank you, The Verified, for joining me. Uh, You can follow him on Twitter at RealD underscore Jackson. You can follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Whole9Sports. Catch The Verified on the Big Shots podcast. You can follow the absentee Dylan at Dilly Sanders. Um, You can follow The Verified's co-hosts for the Big Shots podcast. I'm pretty sure his handle's still Mike Spencer WNS. I'm going to assume it is. If it's not, that's my fault. Um, yeah, thank you so much for joining. Uh, next time, we will have the conference championship review along with the whole nine sports award show. And yeah, don't forget to vote. Uh, the link is on Twitter. You can check it out there. And we will talk to you later. Bye.